Welcome to the Loveland Libcast, the official podcast of the Loveland Public Library. Here's what happens when your mother dies. It's the brightest day of summer and it's dark outside. It's dark in your house, dark in your room, and dark in your heart. You feel like the darkness is going to split you apart. That's how it feels for Tiger. It's always been Tiger and her mother against the world. Then, on a day like any other, Tiger's mother dies. And now it's Tiger, alone. Here's how you learn to make friends with the dark. From the author of the powerful and heartbreaking novel Girl in Pieces comes a story about an ordinary girl who loses everything in an instant and how she must learn to live all over again. Hi, welcome to Loveland Libcast. I'm Johanna Tuttle from the Teen Division. Joining me is Anna. Hello. And we are here to talk about not only that May is Mental Health Month and our focus on mental health for teens, but also to talk about a book called How to Make Friends with the Dark that deals with some teen mental health. And we're also going to talk about our summer reading programming. So coming up very, very soon is our summer learning program. And that starts with a big kickoff on June 2nd here in the teen hangout. Anna, would you tell us some more about what all activities we've got planned for the summer and what it looks like for our summer reading program. So as you mentioned, our big kickoff for the summer learning program will be on June 2nd. That's a Friday. The first day the patrons can actually sign up for the program and log points and stuff will be the day before that, June 1st. But then our kickoff event will be the 2nd. Uh, From 3 p.m. to 4.30 p.m., we'll have our annual pizza party for the teens and the teen hangout. So that will be fun. We do that every year. And then the big outdoor kickoff on the library lawn with all the booths and entertainment and activities and stuff will be from 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. That will also be a ton of fun. Teens, I think, is going to bring our button-making machine again. That was really popular last year, so that will be fun. Um, It's totally free, and if you're interested in signing up for summer learning, it's a great place to get more information and even get some help signing up. We will also have lots more fun events throughout the whole summer. Children's has events, adults has events, and uh, we have some exciting stuff planned for teens. One of the programs I'm most excited about is uh, the tie-dye program that I'm doing on June 7th. We're also doing a big murder mystery party on June 26th that I think is going to be really fun. Uh, a visit to Hearts and Horses on July 17th. And this year, we're also really excited to have the Children's Division joining us for the end of summer pool party at Winona Pool on Friday, July 28th. To find out how you can earn a ticket to the pool party, please make sure you register for the summer learning program. And you can do that at loveland.readsquared.com. So we hope to see you around this summer for some of our library events. Register online, earn your prizes, come and pick them up. There'll be lots of prizes to earn, both for teens and kids, from free books to a ring light, to water bottles, all kinds of cool stuff. So we hope you'll join us. At the end of this episode, we will be talking with representatives from Thompson Teens United and the Youth Advisory Commission about mental health resources for teens in our community. But first, we're going to discuss how to make friends with the dark by Kathleen Glasgow. So let's jump right into our spoiler-free reviews. Okay. Um, I would give it a four and a half. Not because of any, like, flaws with the book itself, just because, like, I don't know, I'm more of a fantasy person. But um, it was, uh, yeah, it was really, it's hard to describe it as a good read because it was a very difficult read. 
as you sort of watch this girl go through all these experiences where like she's essentially kind of helpless. But I thought it was a very, it seemed to me like a very realistic depiction of, um, you know, how the foster care system works, how kids end up falling through the cracks. And we'll talk more about that. But uh, yeah, I thought it was great. I would highly recommend it. Yeah, I think I would give it a four out of five. And again, just because I'm typically fantasy and or romance, and there wasn't a whole lot of that in here. Um, But the realistic fiction definitely hit as well as I think, um, showcased a beautiful friendship Mm -hmm. throughout the book. I enjoyed the book. And I think especially for people who enjoy realistic fiction, it's not too dark and not too light. So it's just a just right book. All right, you want to go to the spoiler zone? Yes, you want to try to imitate Spoiler Becca. zone. <laughs> Do that one more time it? when I'm not talking. What, what was it that Becca did? <laughs> I think that's exactly what it. Was it? Okay. Spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. <laughs> you get real close to the mic. Um, so, Anna, what did you think about the book's overview of the foster care system? Was it too dark or not dark enough? I, um... Fortunately, I don't have a lot of experience with the foster care system myself. So like this, I guess, is just my perspective from not knowing a lot about the, about the inside of it. Because Tiger was in these situations with other foster kids and we hear a lot of them talking about their experiences, I think it was easy for us to imagine the sorts of things that could have happened to Tiger had things gone worse for her. So like I think we still get that distance, but gave it like a realistic portrayal, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so, too. I I think that it hit that just right space for me um, where she did talk about, you know, the only experience she had seen or thought of with the foster care system is very dark and she was very, you know, my life could become really awful. Um, Some of the things that maybe I didn't think about in the foster care system were some of the rules around food and locking food up. Yeah. Um, And that like, tightly rigid control and you're going to have every moment scheduled and um, kind of not only with the foster care system, with but with parenting, because of course it really showcased some bad parenting too. And that it's not mm-hmm. just that you can be in the foster system where horrible things happen to you. Your actual parents can be awful as well, which can land you in the foster care system. So I think that there was a very good diversity in experiences, both the positive ones that impacted people and the negative. You and I were talking a little bit earlier about like the privilege of having like, you know, parents who are financially sound and can can care for you. Tiger's friend Cake, for example, kind of takes for granted, she doesn't mean to, she's not doing anything wrong, but she kind of takes for granted that she has this like two parent family in a stable situation. And then you see all these other kids who don't, and like it's it's just hard to recognize the way that other people you know are suffering when they don't have those things. Why do you think some of the chapters were written from a second person's perspective, and what purpose did that serve in the story? I think that definitely had to do with what I was saying before about giving the reader a little distance from what's happening. I don't know. In my experience, going through things that are very like traumatic, my mind kind of takes a back seat a little bit. Like you become sort of someone who's watching these things happen. It's like sort of like um. Oh, and get out when they, you're, they're in like the, the sunken place, right? So they're kind of in the back of the mind and they're just kind of watching everything happen. And so I thought that the second person perspective was sort of meant to give us a sense of like that detachment from what's actually like happening. Um, particularly like in the part where she's um, at the funeral and like seeing her mother's body. Like it made much more sense to tell that from a second person perspective because having us both having us in Tiger's full awareness, like at that moment and for Tiger to be at full awareness in that moment would have just not been 
sustainable. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would just have been too much. Yeah, I do think that um, it kind of highlighted the disassociation that Tiger was probably experiencing. However, I listened to the beginning of this book on audiobook and then didn't get a, a physical copy to read. And quite honestly, I did not notice that transition to second person perspective really? at all through the audiobook. Interesting. So I don't know if that was just really well done and I didn't pick up on it or if it made so much sense that I didn't really think about the switch of perspectives. I do think that it does, like you said so well, talk about that disassociation that you have when you're going through grief or high emo emotional states. And then some of the perspective of the little bug girl behind glass, like she knew she wasn't mm -hmm. fully present. She knew that there was a part of herself that was kind of split off or different and that kind of goes, you know, there are a lot of mental health kind of things that happen in this book, a lot of between her eating disorder that begins to become really apparent oh, yeah. um, to the, of course, wearing the same dress as kind of a mourning costume. Yeah, a lot of a lot of what she was running into were like different ways of dissociating. Like at one point, there's alcohol abuse, right? Yeah. And that's another way for her to just, you know, dissociate from reality. But it gets her in big trouble. So. <laughs> I did really like the grief group, how that finally came about. And that did kind oh, of yeah. lead to the alcohol abuse. But I think finding these characters that are all going through and carrying that same heavy weight was a really profound part of that story. Yeah, for sure. I think the grief group was a good reminder that progress is not linear. Like towards the end of the book, she finds the grief group and like she's making progress. And then the whole thing with the alcohol abuse happens, right? Like, and that's a setback for her. It's just, especially with grief, like, you know, you get better and then you have a dip. But that doesn't mean you're not making progress. So is Tiger's half-sister, Sheena, obligated to care for her? And why and why not? This was very complicated for me. I'm not sure I even have, like, a good answer still. I mean, Sheena's barely not a teenager herself, right? She's 20 years old. This is a person she didn't know existed <laughs> until all this happened. It's very clear that she holds a lot of resentment towards her father for, like, putting her in these situations. And it sounds like he wasn't, you know, a very responsible father to her. And I think those feelings are valid. Like, but then, yeah, there's this kid out in the world who needs you. I don't know. It's hard because we're in Tiger's perspective. And, like, for us, the reader, it's if Shana doesn't come through, then Tiger's stuck in this horrible system. We're, obviously, we don't want that for her. But then, like, from Shana's perspective, I don't think she does have a big obligation here this is something that was thrust upon her, you know, because of her father's actions. And now she has this huge responsibility. Like, a 16-year-old grieving teenager is probably not the easiest person to get along with initially, you know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know. I don't think she was obligated to, but I think that made it all the more meaningful that she came through in the end. I do too, and I think Shayna's character was fascinating because at first you just kind of think she's a party girl, and then it kind of comes out that she's taking this opportunity to be with Tiger as something that's life-changing for her and transformative for her. Mm -hmm. So as far as the obligation to care for her, at first when we were introduced to her character, I was thinking, oh, it's just going to be somebody who wants that check yeah. for this, from the system to be mm -hmm. able to continue her lifestyle. And then to find out that she really was trying to break out of a, an abuse cycle that she was in and that she kind of protected Tiger as much as possible from some of the bad things that were happening. I don't know. I'm what a what a tough choice as a twenty year old, right? I can't. Yeah, I can imagine having to. I could barely take care of myself when I was twenty. 
You know, I can't imagine taking care of somebody else. So overall, I thought this book was a really great dive into grief and the different ways that it can be expressed. And as far as mental health, it seemed like a lot of the things that happened were part of that grieving process, but maybe mm -hmm. they exacerbated things that were already beginning to be there. I think it really, it covered a lot of both negative and positive coping mechanisms. We get the negatives like the self-harm and the alcohol abuse and the eating disorder. And then we get like her, you know, joining the grief group and connecting with people who she can talk to about these experiences who understand her. And then also like her developing new relationships. Like what was the name of the other foster kid she made friends with? Thaddeus? I think so. Thaddeus. She made a new friendship there. She develops this new relationship with her sister ultimately. Like... We see her like eventually towards the end trying to abandon some of those negative mechanisms and actually like build a life for herself going forward. Definitely ended on an uplifting note and that she would always carry this grief, but they've started again and um, keep moving forward. The impression that I liked about that was ultimately that like, so Tiger's life the way it was when her mother was alive is completely gone, right? Everything completely changes. And at the end of the book, she begins to like, make peace with that. Like, hey, I can have a different life. And it's obviously not the life that I want with my mother, but it can still be a good life that I have control of and that I make good for myself. Yes, overall, I recommend it. Especially to people who may be experiencing grief of their own. The thing that struck me a lot about Tiger's situation was how little control she had over any of it. Um, and so it made sense to me that she you know, was seeking control with the eating disorder, with the dress even. A lot of her coping mechanisms which is ways to try and get some control back. And that made sense to me because yeah. she's just kind of being tossed around, you know, from place to place and there's nothing she can do about it. That powerlessness is something that I think resonates with a lot of teenagers. And I know that I felt as a teen, even with two parents, yeah. in a, you know, fairly stable household. Um, you just don't feel like you have any control or power. Mm -hmm. And when you don't have someone you trust to take care of, care of you, then that becomes sort of a different thing. Yeah. I think is really what this book highlights. Great. And then we will go on and talk to some wonderful people about mental health, um, some representatives from Thompson Teens United and from the Youth Advisory Commission. So today we have with us Jillian Childs from Loveland's Youth Advisory Commission and Zach Ducharme and Elliot Harrington from Thompson Teens United, and we're going to be talking about youth mental health. Hi, I'm Jillian. I'm with the Loveland Youth Advisory Commission. I run our mental health subcommittee, and with YAC, we really try to advocate for people, particularly the youth in our community and issues that pertain to the youth, and the mental health subcommittee is aimed at solving mental health problems as they relate to the youth. Fantastic. Do you want to take it, Elliot? Yeah. Uh, my name is Elliot Harrington. Um, I use he, him pronouns, and I am one of the youth engagement specialists for the Lamar County Health Department, um, as well as the president of Thompson Teens United. Zach, do you want to just introduce yourself? Yeah. Uh, my name is Zach Ducharme. I use he, him pronouns. I'm the youth mm. engagement program coordinator for Lamar County Department of Health. Jillian, what was your journey that led you to thinking and working on mental health for the Youth Advisory Commission of Loveland? Um, so for me, 
mental health has always been something that is really something that I care about because in my family, there's a lot of conversations and my parents have always been very open about talking about that. So um, when I had the chance to kind of take on that leadership role in Yak, I saw that as a great way to kind of fulfill that and to take my perspective into the community. And also, I think it's a topic that a lot of people, especially young people, are thinking more about and are interested in and passionate about. So I'm glad I had the opportunity to kind of help facilitate that, both within Yak, giving other people who share that interest a way to kind of explore that and also to have an impact in that realm in our community. Wonderful. Elliot, what led you to thinking about and working on mental health? Similar to Jillian, um, mental health has just always been um, a top priority of mine. Um, we have, have a local nonprofit theater company here in Loveland called Harrington Arts Alliance, um, and we serve at-risk youth in the community. So we always emphasize how much mental health matters and how theater is a good activity to maintain balanced mental health. I have also worked um, with the district in implementing social-emotional learning elements in the classroom in regards to mental health, um, as well as a member of Sources of Strength at Mountain View High School, which is all about learning the strengths that you have that you can implement into your life to promote good mental health. Anna and I both have a little bit of theater background, and yep. we've discussed quite a bit because we both are very passionate about mental health with teens, and that's why we made a particular point to do this podcast during Mental Health Month. I'm grateful that you're here, that you can speak about the Harrington program, because I've heard great things about it in the community being new. So Jillian, what kind of research and experience did you have when you worked on YAC with the Teen Mental Health Subcommittee? So for our subcommittee, the goal we developed, we decided that we wanted to focus on advocacy and kind of focus less on like reinventing the wheel or inventing something new and instead focusing on what we have. So exploring the resources that already exist and advocating for them. Because as we were kind of having our preliminary conversations, we were talking about, you know, we don't actually know a lot about what exists in the community. So surely a lot of other people our age don't. So how we decided to tackle that was we developed a survey and the content of the survey included questions about what kind of mental health resources people knew about, what they would feel comfortable accessing and things like that. And the goal of that was obviously to kind of get an idea of how much people knew, but also in a broader sense to kind of stimulate those conversations about mental health and kind of help to destigmatize it so people are less afraid to access those resources in the first place. About Thompson Teens United, um, Elliot, would you like to give listeners an overview of what that is and what you guys do? Yeah. Uh, Thompson Teams United is a youth-led coalition um, here in Loveland, open for all TSD students to join. Our mission statement is all about promoting mental health and positive alternatives to substance use. Um, so we create projects to benefit our community. We really just give youth a voice and an outreach in the community. And I know that you had a project that you brought to the library recently. Would you like to speak about that at all? Yeah, so we've accomplished a few projects this year, our first one being the Photo Voice Project. We had students take pictures of where they feel like they belong and submit a little written blurb about its positive influence in the teen scene. Um, 
And so we made a visual and displayed it at different youth spaces like the library, the Boys and Girls Club, and Harrington Arts Alliance. Um, so that was one of our super successful projects. Our last project we just did was, was called Creating Community, a Vision Board Project, um, where we created a Google form for students to fill out that asked them what they would like to help better the community. Once we got all the responses, we assembled it into another visual that we displayed at high schools in the district. And then our most recent project that we are working on right now is a mental health night hosted at a Love and Laser Tag. So towards the end of May, um, we have an event where teens can come in, play laser tag, do all the other fun stuff, all for free, and then visit our little mental health presentation that we have in one of the rooms um, where they can learn about different resources that are available to them and some tobacco prevention resources as well. What other projects or programs do you have slated for the future for Thompson Teens United? Yeah, so um, I mean, a big one right now is Mental Health Month. So every Monday we post these things called Mental Health Monday posts, which is really just like inspiration for our Instagram users to go out and be the best version of themselves. As far as future projects, we don't have anything specifically planned out, but for the next upcoming school year, we are hoping to do something that tackles um, domestic violence or gun violence, which is super important. I follow your Instagram and I always look forward to those Monday posts. <laughs> those are nice. <laughs> How can people get involved with Thompson Teens United? So our Instagram is at Thompson Teens United, all one word. And if you want to DM us that you're interested, um, or you can send us your email and then we can put you on the email list. We'll email you about meeting updates, reminders, and upcoming projects. Jillian, what mental health resources are out there for teens? Did you identify new ones when you were doing your research for the Youth Advisory Commission? Yeah, three services that a lot of our discussions centered on were iMatter, the Colorado Crisis Line, and Safe to Tell iMatter provides free therapy sessions for students in need, and the Colorado Crisis Line is a place that people can call if they're in seeking immediate help and are in a mental health crisis. And then Safe to Tell is a resource for people to report and seek action if they're experiencing bullying or harassment or other problems. And we also found through our survey, those resources are things that our peers are aware of. For example, the Colorado Crisis Line and the Safe to Tell numbers, and it tells you how to access them on the back of our student IDs. And there are iMatter posters in the school. There's a little bit out there for those resources. And then also just in general, schools and the library are places that people can access a lot of resources and find a lot of information. And also Thompson Teens United as a mental health advocacy group they do a lot to help spread that word as well. And I think they provide a lot of good resources that people in our community can take advantage of. Do you have more to add to that, Elliot, about resources for mental health out there for teens? Yeah, I mean, she hit pretty much the big three. Um, but 988 is the suicide line that you can text or call when you're in a mental health crisis. Um, there's also SAVA, Sexual Assault and Victim Advocacy Center. There's Crossroads Safe House, which 
is all about domestic violence. There's alternatives to violence. And then there's behavioral facilities like Summit Stone and Mountain Crest. And then the ones that are really right at your fingertips are school counselors, trusted adults, friends, families, mentors. I mean, those are all people you can go up to that you can trust. I think that's that's one of the easiest and most effective ways to get in touch and get help regarding your mental health. Fantastic. That's a great answer. Um, so we like to end the show with guests giving one or two recommendations for any books that they have enjoyed lately or just a favorite book or a favorite author. It can be any book or any author. So why don't we start? Zach, why don't you talk about your favorite author, favorite book, or what you're reading right yeah. now? Yeah. Will do. Um, before I get to that, I just wanted to add another way to get involved. So um, our department, our youth engagement program uh, has a, a website called LarimerYouth.org, and there's information for all of our youth coalitions countywide, including Thompson Teens United, which has some contact information and flyers about upcoming meetings and events. Um, and it also has our youth resource guide. And it's a really great resource that's for youth created by youth, um, and it houses crisis and non-crisis uh, resources that are available uh, to young people throughout the county. And that uh, is a flyer that's at the library. It's within the schools. Um, we have a digital version of that on that website, LarimerYouth.org. So I just wanted to add that opportunity as well. The book that I'm reading right now that is incredibly beneficial to my mental health is it's called The Power of Fun. And it's about how we can prioritize having fun and kind of filling our buckets. The author is Catherine Price. Uh, Catherine Price was the author of a book called How to Break Up with Your Phone. I'm kind of a firm believer that mental health is, is kind of directly connected to the amount of time we spend on our phones and the amount of time we spend on social media. Um, and I believe that there is a, a potential negative effect to our mental health with the amount of time that we spend on those types of devices. And so Catherine Price talks about fulfilling our lives with things outside of our smartphones and outside of social media. Um, so I'm really passionate about uh, really prioritizing fun within my life. And the other one that I would uh, recommend called The Soul of an Octopus. Um, and it's all it's a, it's a nonfiction book comparing the consciousness of humans to the consciousness of, of octopus. Those are great answers, Zach. I wish. My answers were as meaningful as yours, but they aren't. <laughs> My favorite author is Stephen King. I'm just really fascinated with the horror genre. Um, nothing really to do with mental health, but I love it. And I love Cujo and Carrie. And then this is maybe not one for our age group, but growing up, I loved the Land of Stories series by Chris Colfer. It's super magical and a fun little twist on the classic fairy tales. A book I would recommend um, is called When Books Went to War by Molly Guptill Manning. It's a history book, and it discusses the role of literature in World War II, both the books soldiers read and how they were provided to them, but also how World War II affected the publishing industry and how like libraries were involved in that. And it does actually have some interesting connections to mental health about the effect that having access to books really affect morale and the ability of the soldiers to fight effectively. And just is a really interesting read about if you're interested in books, if you're interested in history, even if you're not interested in history, and I would really recommend it. Anna, did you want to? Yeah, sure. Um, so I have two different answers here from different perspectives. So the first, one of my all-time favorite books is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. It has a lot to do with mental health and that the big focus of that is the author calls it listening to your knowing, following your instinct, trusting yourself that you know you know what you want for your life and not 
being so pressured by outside influences. That was an important message for me at the time of my life when I read that. So that was really important to my mental health. And then also important to my mental health equally is just reading like trashy fantasy novels. You know, sometimes you just need to take your mind into a whole nother world, a different realm, and just, you know, be outside yourself. My favorite fantasy author is Sarah J. Moss for that. I also love Sarah J. Moss, and she's fantastic. She hits all of those escapism. I spent lots of years in the <laughs> romance genre because I could not face, you know, I mean, COVID time. <laughs> it, was, right? it was all romance all the time because it always had a happy and ever happily ever after. Speaking of horror, one book that I just recently read was The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones, who will actually be a one community author here in Loveland, and they'll come speak here. Um, and it was a really good horror novel. And it had a little bit of interplay of mental health. Of course, it's kind of a fantastical take on it, but some of the things that happen um, have echoes of mental health and poor mental health, especially with indigenous people and their experience. So it's a very good one. So with that, I want to say thank you very much for joining us and speaking about your expertise. And I'm so grateful and delighted to have you all here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Loveland Libcast. If you'd like to contact us about the podcast, please reach out to Daniel at daniel.tate at cityofloveland.org. That's D-A-N-I-E-L dot T-A-T-E at cityofloveland.org. See you next time.